I would like to begin by saying thank you to your pastoral staff and leadership team for giving me this opportunity to proclaim God's word to God's people last evening and this morning. And I, of course, do not come to you in my own name, but in the name of the living God, and alive and well God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on a personal note, I'm also happy to be here selfishly because I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin, okay? And it's cold up there, and we still have some snow. So happy to be here. If you're like me, you don't mind hearing an occasional feel-good story. One that comes to my mind, I saw it years ago. You can still find it on a YouTube video, I believe. The setting was a girls' softball tournament championship game. A young lady appears to have hit the winning home run. She's rounding first base, begins to limp, and then down on the ground she crashed with a torn ACL in her knee. And there she lay between first and second. Now the rules state that she herself must touch each base for the run to count and that her teammates may not help her. The opposing players huddled and they made a decision. They went to her side and lifted her up off of the ground. They carried her to second base, which she touched. Then they carried her to third. She touched that. They brought her home. The run counted. But those who helped lost the game. But they helped the hurting. And they selflessly met the need of somebody who was less fortunate. If I might share with you for a moment what it is the ministry I'm connected to does, Christian Family Solutions, for nearly 60 years, this ministry has existed for no other reason than to help hurting people and provide for their needs. And the way in which we help the most hurting people who are very needy is through our professional Christian counseling. We have 110 counselors operating out of any one of 52 clinics in seven states, including Florida. And if they are not helping somebody who drives to the clinic to get the help that they need, they're doing what so many people are doing today. They're in front of their computer using Zoom, offering face-to-face -face help to some hurting person literally somewhere in the world. Currently, over 800 congregations, including this one, many schools, including yours, make use of this service for the hurting members in your midst. All of our Lutheran high schools, our prep schools, our colleges, our seminary, world missions, friends of China, kingdom workers, and others make use of this ministry to help provide the right kind of, the right kind of help for the hurting people who have particular needs. Two years ago, we counseled, we conducted over 40,000 hours of counseling help. Last year, 2021, over 80,000. 
The pandemic has caused so much havoc in the mental health conditions of so many people around the country and the world, and we're happy to be able to help. In a book published by a Lutheran psychologist pre-COVID, after studying a cross-section of churches throughout America, not just Wells or Lutheran, he concluded that in any given year, 20% of a church's membership is in need of professional counseling help. And I'm sure that he would agree with me that with, pand with the pandemic, with COVID, those numbers are much higher. What are we seeing? What needs do people have when it comes to counseling issues? You name it and we see it. Anything from anxiety to depression, marital problems, problems with children, problems with parents, problems with loss, grief, loneliness, post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse, and the list goes on and on and on. Hurting people in need of help. And I'd like to say thank you for partnering with our ministry to meet those kinds of needs in your midst. I'm also thankful that you take interest in and support this ministry, but it's one thing to take interest in and support a ministry that has professionalism that the average person does not have. But when you stop and think about it, helping the hurting and meeting their needs is not only for professionals. It's for everybody. It's for you and me. This morning we're going to talk about a man who is paralyzed, who is healed by Jesus. And we'll be reminded that God himself gives to you and to me both the power and the desire to meet the needs of hurting people because he has made you and me part of the best feel-good story there ever will be. That part of God's word goes like this. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them took what he had and lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, 
we have seen remarkable things today. What an awesome miracle. Somebody paralyzed, suddenly able to get up and walk. But there are other amazing things in this story. What I also find amazing is the faith of his friends who were determined to bring their friend to Jesus. And we know they had faith because Jesus saw their faith. Another amazing thing is that Jesus performed the miracle. Obviously, he was a human being, but more than that, he was also the Son of God capable of that. But there's another amazing thing in this account that maybe you did not pick up on, maybe you did, and that is the amazing doubt of the Jewish leaders. They were skeptics. They were critics. They thought they were the spiritual elites. They looked down their nose on a lot of people. And before I get too critical of them, I think probably we could all relate to a certain degree. I think they possessed some issues that are common even today and perhaps among us. First of all, I believe that they had an, a ladder-climbing approach to getting into God's heaven. And a lot of people have that today. One rung of their ladder, the good things they try to do. The next rung of the ladder, the bad things they try to avoid. They keep on climbing throughout their life, keep on climbing, and they assume in their own heads that when they get to the top rung of the ladder, that's the day of their death, they'll find them, themselves in front of heaven's door, the door will swing open, and in they will go. That's not how it works, though, is it? Without faith in the Savior, their ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. I think they had perhaps other issues as well, um, issues that uh, we have today, and that is I think they probably really were selective with who they would hang out with, who they considered their friends. And a tight circle, perhaps, you could look at it that way. People that looked like them, acted like them, as educated as they were, as affluent as they were, those are the people that they invited into their inner circle. Those are the people that they could relate to. Those are the people they cared about. But the people out there, they weren't in their inner circle. And so, too bad. Perhaps before we get on them too severely, I think you and I should maybe look in the mirror ourselves. Those Pharisees and leaders of the Jewish people had a chip on their shoulder. They thought that they were better than other people. They were not looking in the mirror to see the, the, the authenticity of their imperfection. They thought too much of themselves, and I think sometimes maybe you and I fall into the same trap. But when you stop and look in the mirror, honestly, what do you see about yourself? What do I see about myself? Would you agree with me that some, on some days we're not very loving? There are some days we're not very forgiving. There are some days from our past that we would just as soon forget. We're not proud of it. But we can't forget because it's part of us, part of our past. 
Would you agree with me that there are some days when we act as if the world revolved around us? There are some days when we allow unwholesome thoughts to rattle around in our head, assuming for a moment they're private, but of course they're not private to God. And I'm sure that on more than one occasion, you and I have had somebody in our life, kind of like that paralyzed man, maybe a different issue, they would really benefit from our help. We felt really bad about their situation. We knew we should do something, but we had more important things to do and we never got around to helping them. Left to ourselves without a savior, we're in the same boat as those Jewish leaders. Our ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. But God so loved the world that he actually did something about it. Think about it. A lot of people can talk a good game when it comes to love or merely have loving thoughts. But loving activity brings it to a whole nother level. God in his love took action. And the action that he took was the giving of his dearest treasure in the person of his son who took on human flesh like you and I have. And then as the perfect holy son of God, he waded into the sinful murky swamp of humanity. But... He maintained his holiness in the process, and that is of vital importance to you and me, and this is why. Because God promises in his word that when you and I believe that his son is our savior, he chooses to take the perfection of his son, the holiness of his son, and he credits it to us. That's right. The Bible says he clothes us in his son's righteousness. And as a result, God's face shines down upon you and me with love and admiration and care. That's a God you and I don't have to be afraid of. Not today, not tomorrow, and not on the day we die. Talk about a feel-good story. And that's only the half of it because not only did God's Son live a life of perfection on our behalf, he then eagerly and willingly went to the cross, suffering all the blame and shame for everybody's last sin, in the process, winning for you and for me the forgiveness of all of our sins. So that as far as the east is from the west, and that's a very long distance, that's as far as God has removed our transgressions from us. And he promises in his word that when you and I believe that, he promises to take us to a real, endless, perfect, joy-filled, custom-made heaven and he has his family back together again. Jesus has taken care of the greatest need you and I will ever have. When he told this man, your sins are forgiven, it was assurance to this once paralyzed person that he's heaven bound. You and I are heaven bound. The example of his friends who with faith and love were looking out for somebody who had special needs. They are inspiration for you and for me to look around in our lives for people who have needs, who are hurting, who would benefit from our love and help and then go and do something to the best of our ability to help them. We see hurting people in our ministry every single day of the week, including Sundays. 
A number of years ago, I was a guest preacher. It just happened to be Florida again, different church. And uh, I found out after the fact that there was somebody in the audience, a teenage girl, who had received counseling from us. Otherwise, I, I do not know who gets counseling from our counselors. It's all confidential. But when I was done uh, with that service, I was greeting people at the door, and the mom and the teenage daughter came through the line, and mom shook my hand with the other hand. She handed me a note that she had written during the service. Later, I opened it, and it read, Thank you. I have my daughter back, and she's also back with the Lord. She was helped. Her needs were met, and she's now, again, heaven-bound. A number of years ago, I was giving a presentation at a convention on the West Coast, and when I was done, a gentleman who I had never met, and once again, who I had no way of knowing, we in fact had been counseling, introduced himself to me, and he said, Pastor Matt, could we speak privately sometime today? And I said, certainly. Later in the day, we sat down together, and he shared his story. He said, I'm married, I have children, I'm the chairman of our congregation, I'm the lay delegate to this convention, and ever since I can remember, I have struggled with same-sex attraction. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am now able to manage this burden in a way that is pleasing to my Lord. Help for the hurting. I'd like to share with you one final story from my ministry. It, it has to do with somebody who was hurting and he either did not know it or he, or he was hurting and he, and he realized it but didn't know what to do with it. He had needs that were not met in his life. In my one of my congregations, there was a, a young lady at the time, perhaps in her mid-30s, so faithful, worship, Bible class, service, you name it, a real joy. But something about church made her extremely sad. It was her husband, and I'll give to him the name Don. Don would have nothing to do with church. He was a devout atheist. She talked to me on occasion about her concern for Don. He traveled a lot with his work, and she knew that if something happened to him, he would be lost eternally. On one occasion, when I visited them at their house, Don nearly laughed me out of the house. Yeah. About a year after that incident, to my shock, he began to show up in church with his wife. But he made it obvious to everybody that he was not a willing participant. He did not want to be there. He did not act appropriately. He was not nice. But he was there. A year or so after that, he showed up unannounced at my office. And after some small talk, he got to his point. He said, Pastor Maddox, that thing you guys hand out at church, I don't even know what you call it anyway, a bulletin or something? He said, yeah, that works. Well, it says in there that you've got some kind of a information class starting up. Said, yeah, Bible information class. I don't know. I might want to take that in. Whoa, what a shock. He was a very busy guy, and his schedule was not compatible with the day and time of the class. So I took him through the class one-on-one. -on -one. And in this case, 
went for 20 weeks, a good hour every week, taking a look at what God had to say about everything. And after we were done, I, I asked him, I said, Don, what do you think? I don't know. I just don't know. Could I take the class again? Sure. So we started all over again. Went nearly a year. And when we were done, or at least I assumed we were done, I asked him again. I said, Don, what do you think? And I will never forget his answer. He said, I'm just thankful I did not die. Click, click. The light of faith had come on. He now knew he needed a Savior and had one in God's Son. I pursued it further with him. I said, Don, in the class, we talked about the power of the Word of God. Now the Holy Spirit uses the word to give a person faith and then to sustain and grow that faith over time. In your case, and tell me if I'm wrong, it just seems to me that something else happened before that made you want to turn the corner and begin to investigate God. Am I right? And if so, what was it? He thought for a moment and he said, yeah, you're right. What was it? The crazy members of your church. That's what he said. I, of course, asked him to explain what he meant by that. He said, they were crazy nice. And I didn't get it. And he went on to explain. He said, Pastor Maddox, do you remember what a jerk I was when I first came to church? I wanted to say, yeah, I do. But we, we did not go there. That's not how they treated me, though, he went on. They seemed sincerely happy that I was there. They invited me to come back. They would break away from conversations they were having with people they knew real well to try to strike one up with me. Some guys even asked me to go golfing with them. What was that all about? They were crazy nice, and I didn't get it. But now I do. This guy was really going places. He was the vice president of an international corporation. He thought he was a pretty good person. But he was lost until Jesus found him. He was either having a need and not knowing how to fill it, or just ignoring that need and going on with life. And my suspicion is that everybody here in church, everybody watching this service, has somebody in their life like that. Is today and this week your opportunity to build a bridge of kindness and helpfulness toward a hurting person so that in God's good time they might just realize what you're doing, turn and come walking back toward you over the bridge you built in order to find out what makes you the way you are. You and I are part of the best feel-good story there ever will be. Jesus has met our needs now and for eternity. May you and I use the days, months, and years that remain in our life as opportunities to help the hurting, to fulfill their needs. Amen.